This is coming up on October the 1st, and October the 1st is the second anniversary of my son being promoted, uh, getting saved and sealed and going back to heaven. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. And beating me to heaven. My son came full circle. You know, the scripture said, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. The holy seed that has been sown in you uh, is, is such powerful and permanent seed that you'll never get away from it. It won't override your will. It won't make you become a Christian. But you will never, ever get away from it. If you have been exposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ and to the word of God, you can go back into the world. You can live like and for the devil, but you will never get away from the consciousness that that's not where you belong. Can you say amen? And you will understand what a lot of people partying to get rid of all of their consciousness of of thinking about eternity. You will think about eternity. Amen. You will not get away from it. And my son never got away from it. I never heard him use the Lord's name in vain. I've never, never, he never in my house brought any alcohol. He never, he never disrespected me. Uh, And it wasn't just because back then I was lifting weights. Amen. He He didn't disrespect me. Because he respected my walk with God. Someone said, if you have to demand respect, you probably don't deserve it. So a lot of truth in that. If you have to demand that someone respect you, you know, Abraham didn't demand that Sarah call him Lord. Not Lord like God, no divinity in it. But she gave him that kind of respect. But what he lived brought that respect that's why the bible said if you've got an unbelieving spouse you and they're content to dwell with you don't run away because it gets tough hang in there because you don't know that that person may be saved by the chaste conversation of the believer coupled with fear they have to see it in you i i didn't want to demand respect from my son I wanted to deserve respect from him. And he respected my home, my house, my standards. Not while he was living there. (laughs) As a teenager, uh, he had to hide stuff. And the Lord would show me where it was. He had a... He had something that was contraband in our house. And he thought, you know, I'll tape it inside my amplifier. (laughs) Because he played guitar. And I walked in to get him do something in his room and the Lord I I wasn't looking for contraband the Lord told me go look in that amplifier and I thought what what's this all about and I went over there and looked in that amplifier and he said look up look up and I looked up and taped there was a tape of, of some stuff that ought not be in a Christian home and of course he you know was teenager and and uh, so look in the amplifiers i'll tell you right now that's where they that's where they put them amen so i looked up and there it was i got that bad boy out of there and there was a nice oak t- 
table. But you know, I, I felt, I felt a little upset. <laughs> so I took it. My my son looked in and he was wide eyed when I said, "Look at here, what I found in your amplifier taped to the top," and he had eyes big as saucers, and he knew God had to tell me because that was a good hiding place, and he was good at hiding it. And I put it on that oak table, little round oak table, nightstand, yeah, round oak nightstand. But it was nice, and it was oak. It wasn't one of those, you know. Ikea things. And anyway, so put it on that thing. And, and I got a hammer, and my son's eyes got even bigger. But it wasn't for him. I never, <laughs> I never chased my son with no hammer. But I did. You know, the word of God is like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Well, hammers also can break tapes in pieces, I found out. So I took the hammer, I took it out on the tape and the devil that was tempting him instead of him. I didn't have to say anything to him. He, the jig was up. <laughs> and once he knew that I knew, I never caught, no more contraband came in while he was living there. You know why? Because he knew God would tell, tell me. <laughs> wow, I didn't have to do anything. Just just let the Lord lead me. But I took that hammer, and in my moment of, of uh, righteous indignation, I was mad at the devil for tempting my son and trying to get his mind and take him away, and I whacked it with that hammer. Well, it went all to pieces, and so did a great big <laughs> dent in the thing. In the, well, we had to throw out the table because it was a goner, but it was worth it because that stopped the contraband right then and there. It stopped it in a hurry. Praise God. But my son respected my walk with God, and he knew what I was holding as a standard was because that I honored him. Praise God. God is good today. Praise the Lord. And when people respect your faith and your walk with God, it's going to make a difference. My son saw something on TV, and, and it was just a big hard sell. Merchandising is all it was, was selling products rather than lifting up and magnifying Jesus. And he turned to my daughter-in-law, his wife, and said, My daddy would never do that. And I was so appreciative to have that kind of testimony to my son that he knew my walk with God was real and my reason for being in ministry is to obey God and to help his people as much as they will let me. Amen. There are people that uh, if they would come, I believe we could help them. Amen. If they just show up and get under the anointing and get the word of God in their life. Now you can go to a church and you're, you know something, they'll be herding them out in just a little while. Because the whole thing will be over. Can you say, man, one hour, it's over and done. You can go have fun. You're ill-prepared for the battles of life that are going to come to you. You don't know much about spiritual armor or spiritual warfare. You're probably not winning your battles, but nobody's going to care as long as you just stay there for an hour and put something in the offering. Can you say, man, well, I care because I know what's coming. Because you haven't been where I have been. You haven't lived long enough. But I have been where you're headed. I've been in the emergency room. I've lost a loved one. 
I have seen people backslide that I never thought I would see backslide, but I have seen them. But I've also seen the faithfulness of God. I've been through sickness. I've been through disease. I've been through cancer of the blood when I was a child. Hallelujah. I've been through the fire, but it did not kindle on me. Hallelujah. I got to bring you this testimony right now before this song comes and I finish this. This may be the service for all I know today. I want to bring you something fresh from the mission field. And before we have a song, receive the offering because, and I'll finish my son's part. A new film tells the story of the fastest growing church in the world. Now, you may think it's Paul Young who chose church in South Korea, because they have 800,000 members, 800,000, and it is Pentecostal, it is full gospel, you may have differences with, with some of the prosperity part of that that's lapping over into some things, but the gospel is preached, and I want you to get an attitude here, I don't want you to ever compromise your understanding of the word of God. But I want you to start praising God that Christ is preached. Paul said there are people out there preaching Christ with the wrong attitude and the wrong purpose. Some of them for selfish gain. Are you ready for this? Can you handle this? But I thank God Christ is preached. Because if Jesus is preached, somebody's going to get saved. And if 800,000 people are coming to hear it, we ought not split hairs over the rest of it. How many people have you won to Jesus? How many people have you personally won to Christ? Don't, don't criticize everything in the name of defending the faith. Let God do some things in terms of chastening and straightening out. You stand for what you know to be true. And let God take care of the rest. And don't tear down something. That many people are coming to Christ through. Amen. If the gospel is being preached. See the gospel has to be in there. The truth has to be in there. But people have to come to hear it. I believe I'm nailing the truth. But if I don't have people to hear it. How can I get anybody saved? I got to be able to reach them somehow. And that's where the media comes in. We got, a, we got a letter from the lady in Nashville, and she said, I got up so excited the other day, and I ran in and got on my computer because she was hungry for let's talk about Jesus. Amen. And she said, I got up, I ran in got on my computer and realized it hadn't been put up on the web yet because it hadn't had time to get up on the web. And she said, so I just went back and reviewed the one that was on the web from the last time and listened to it all over again. Well, how many know that's hunger? That's hunger. People don't even rerun Ophrah. Can you say man? And here's somebody that wants to hear the word again. That they've already heard. One day, Doug would listen to something that got into his heart and his spirit on the way to work. And he put on there that I listened to it again. Praise God. Got a double portion. Everybody said double portion. Don't eat like a bird when you come to church. Gobble till you wobble. Hallelujah. I'll never forget you. We, we had a Bible study on Sunday night, and we were into some 
meet in the Word, and it was getting good, amen, <laughs> and we had to cancel it for some reason, uh, and I, I was there telling people in case they come that it had to be canceled because of whatever, and you showed up, and you walked up, and you said, you know, I usually don't come every Sunday night, but I, I want some more. I never forgot it, amen, and I thank you for wanting some more. Some people don't want any at all. Thank God for the people hungry enough. And you put it on our website that, that, that this is for the hungry. This is for the thirsty. This is not for people that's satisfied with the status quo. Satisfied. Uh, to sit in a church, go through the motions, and be so lean and empty spiritually that we're no match for not only the devil himself and, and his minions, we're no match for the, all of the problems and pressures of life in a faulty body, in a fallen world. God wants you to not just be a match for it. He wants you to be more than a conqueror. So it's not Paul Young, he chose church. 800,000 in South Korea, in a full gospel church. Can anybody say thank God for that? Isn't 800,000 better than 18? Is the gospel in there somewhere, how to come to Christ to be saved? Yes, it is. I thank God Christ is preached. I'm glad God's moving by His Spirit. That's not the biggest church in the world. There is a building that 40,000, 20,000, 20,000, all day long they have services. So even in the snow of winter, they stand, 20,000 stand outside so 20,000 can leave so they can get in. And they stand outside in the snow. Only people I know crazy like that is the cheeseheads that, that follow the Packers. Amen. Sitting there with no shirt on in Wisconsin. Amen. With something written on their chest. They don't do it probably for long just to get a selfie. Can you say amen? And then they drink coffee and cover up, I'm sure. But they are so hardcore dedicated to that sports team that they will sit in sub-zero weather. And there are people not committed enough to Christ to even come to church regularly. Isn't that incredible? And that's why we need this move of God in America like he's moving around the world. We are the next missionary focus. And I believe I'm a pastor evangelist. And part of my evangelist anointing is to be a missionary to the church of America. To say it's time that we don't get so caught up in just going through the motions that we forget what this is truly all about. And everybody's got a heart condition in this room. And you need to examine your heart. Amen. How many believe it ought to be a good ground heart? You're going to have to sit here through the Word of God. You might as well get a benefit from it. Can you say, man? What's the point of sitting through this boring part of the service? Waiting for me to hurry and get done so we can hurry and do what? Well, we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going, we're going to do something fun. When this becomes fun, you've got a good ground heart. Oh, you didn't hear me. I'm looking at people that look like you just ate a lemon. Amen. Suck the persimmon. If this don't get fun, you don't, you're not got no hungry and thirst for God. or All you want is help when you get in trouble. 
Well, it don't come that way. You got to be built up in, in your faith to receive the help you need. You can't get help just by squalling and bawling and crying and carrying on. You get help by believing God. And as your faith be, so be it unto you. And you're not going to get no faith from television. Unless you've got somebody on that television that's bringing you the Word of God. And you're going to have to stop what you're doing long enough to sit and get it. Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. With what? The Holy Spirit? No, you got the Holy Spirit. If we had a Jericho march and God moves, there would be a lot of tongue-talking people in this room. But without growing spiritually, without developing the fruit of the Spirit, it's sounding brass, tinkling cymbal. It's just noise without substance. And the devil isn't afraid of it. But when it's genuine, and when the Holy Spirit is in control in your life, hallelujah, then it has substance and the devil trembles when someone is filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Can you say amen? Satisfied status quo Christians will never know revival and they will never be able to show revival to a gainsaying and doubting world. If we don't make disciples unto Jesus, it don't matter how many people come to the building. We have failed the mission. He didn't just say, go get people converted. Go get them saved. He said, go and make disciples unto me of all nations. A disciple is someone who is a true, authentic follower of Jesus Christ. They don't just go to church. When they walk out the door, they follow Jesus. They love Jesus. They serve Jesus. And that's why the biggest church in the world was not created by just getting converts, but by making disciples. Because when someone becomes a true disciple... This is the message, by the way. Don't get scared now. He's going to get in the message after this. No, this is the message. How many people have led somebody to Jesus and they didn't show up in church? Billy Graham's organization. They would count all the people that filled out that they had come to Christ. Converts. One year later, they wanted to know how many were in church, growing, serving, and following Jesus. Only 10% of the people who were converts at the meeting had become faithful followers of Jesus one year later. Because who doesn't want a free ticket to heaven? This is not criticizing Billy Graham. It's saying that a lot of people who come to Jesus don't follow on to know the Lord and commit to the Lord. Amen? Amen? I don't just serve him on Sunday. I serve him on Monday. Whatever you do, the Bible says, do it to the glory of God. You don't quit worshiping when you leave church. You take your worship to your job. I did my job to the glory of Jesus. They shut down the plant when I left. A production plant. They hate to shut it down. All those machines are running and all those dollar bills are coming into the coffer. And they run wide open 24 hours a day. 
Hallelujah. When I left, thank God they shut it down. They shut the plant down. They shut the production down. When Dixie went to Publix and bought me a cake. <laughs> what a blessing. <laughs> the cake came from Publix. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. It's a big secret. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and the plant manager said, I have been a plant manager. He came from Louisiana. He was Cajun guy. He said, I've been a plant manager at many different plants in my lifetime. And he said, he said, we hate to see this man go more than any man that has ever left uh, any plant that I've been in. And I wanted to get up in his lap and hug his neck. Can you say, man, what a, what an honor. Why? 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 Because I was so dedicated to the company? No, because everything I did on that job, I did it to the glory of God. Whatever you do, do it heartily. As unto the Lord and not unto men. For you shall be rewarded of the Lord Christ. Now, I just happened to get some appreciation from them. But I did it all for Him. Whether they applaud me or not. It doesn't matter. I did it for him. And the greatest honor for him was when I was, was, was offered a promotion that would have brought about a third more money into my payday. How many, if, they, if you had a third more uh, income per month, that it would untighten your budget a little bit? Everybody say one third more. How many know that's 33 and a third percent? <laughs> Amen. Would it help? Yeah, it would. Sure it would. And not only that, but the possibility of going from there to another pay grade. And when I turned down that opportunity, they asked the deacon that asked me to come speak at Pastor's Appreciation in Plant City. They asked him, why won't he take this? Don't he care about his family? And that deacon told me that he told them, you don't understand. He's got a different value system. And he believes that serving God and being in church and, and growing in God and, and, and showing his family the value of the faith is more important than anything he can buy them. And I said, thank you, Jesus. I didn't have to say a word. Amen. When it gets like that, when the kingdom gets first, when Christ is more important, when the spiritual and the eternal takes precedence over the temporal and the material. You're going somewhere in God. And God's going to do something in you. Can you say, man, you're going to be a genuine, authentic witness for Christ. A city set on a hill which cannot be hid. You won't have to try to witness. You just keep loving and serving God and putting Jesus first and it will be automatic. And it will mark you as somebody different from the world about you. The biggest church in the world right now. Amazing move of God. Is because they are not trying to just get converts. They are making disciples. And disciples have an impact with their witness. See, if you blend with the world when you get out of church... <laughs> As far as witnessing go, that bumper sticker won't cut it. Amen. You can try to try to say something to somebody that's biblically sound, and that won't cut it. 
they got to see something in you and me. We're living epistles. We're read of all men. And if you're just like they are to blend with them, then they don't care that you go to church. They don't care that you have some scripture under your belt. They only care when they see your dedication, devotion to your faith. That's when it impacts them. Men will see your good works. We're not talking about philanthropy. We're not talking about your, your giving to the poor. We're, that's a good thing, but Christians are not the only ones that do that. Bill Gates gives millions to charities. He's not Christian and not trying to be that I know of. It's not those good works. It's these works. We're created unto good works. Saved by faith, but created unto good works. And the works he's talking about is our devotion to Christ. It's loving Jesus 24-7. It's serving Jesus more than just Sunday morning. It's living what we believe. It's behaving what we believe. It's turning down a promotion to put him first. You know, they left everything to follow him. And they started to whine for a moment until he reminded them. They they said, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. And you know what Jesus said? Have you lacked anything? Now, he wasn't talking about, yeah, I don't have a Mercedes like him. He's talking about a vehicle gets you where you need to be with air conditioning. I believe he wants you to have air conditioning in your car. Somebody say, thank God. (laughs) Hallelujah. We live in Florida. We had one in a in a 30-something, no, it was a 41 Willis. When they made a Willis car, my daddy had a Willis. I'm going way back now. It was a Willis. You never heard of a Willis? I didn't either until he got one. But it's a real genuine car, and you can look it up on Google. And, and he had, I thought it was great because he had uh, on it, Screwed into it. It wasn't plastic. It was a little metal fan. And it went back and forth, back and forth. And, and my daddy's sitting over here. It would go this way, and I'm sitting over here. And you know what I did as a child? I went over this way to follow it, and I went back. And I went over this way, and I went back because I'm going to tell you, you can melt down in Florida <laughs> if you don't have some air. But it's blowing hot air. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about having a value system that doesn't match the world. My son, let not thine heart envy sinners. It don't matter how materially blessed they become. Don't envy them. They're headed somewhere forever. And it's not where you want to be. Can you say, man, everybody that you're glad you're going to heaven. How many that you're glad you're escaping hell? You put two of them together, you got a reason to put Jesus first. Can you say, man, you don't need nothing else. Hallelujah. Well, if he gives me a house like that, if he gives me a car like that, they're selling the gospel today for the material and the temporal instead of the spiritual and the eternal. The thief came to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. And before you see dollar signs like Scrooge McDuck, amen. You don't remember him? 
Amen. Before you see dollar signs, when you see that, listen to what Jesus said to balance that. A man, what would man give in exchange for his soul? Hallelujah. Amen. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he possesses. Amen. Your most valuable possession is your eternal undying soul that's going to live forever somewhere. Can you say, man, it is so valuable that the most valuable person shed the most valuable blood in the universe to redeem you. That's how important it is. And we need to preach the cross just like we used to preach the cross and Him crucified. And if that doesn't build a church, we ought not have a church built on anything less. Can you say, man, Hallelujah. If you don't love Jesus, if He's not worthy, if you're only in it for the stuff, you're in it for the wrong reason. And if you're not saved, you need to get saved. And if you are saved, you need to get a value system that says there's nothing more important than what He's done for me at the cross. Can you say, man, there's no one more important than pleasing the one. That love me that much. It's a big difference in making converts and making disciples. So a new film is out now. Tells the story of the fastest growing church in the world. An underground persecuted Christian movement. That means there's no big building that has been built with all the amenities. It's an underground, persecuted church. And it's in a country known for exporting radical Islamic terrorism. This is fresh and brand new. I'm stirred by it. If God can do it where he's doing it here, there's hope for America. But we're going to have to get divine dissatisfaction with just going to church, never being challenged or changed. If you are a follower of Jesus, you need to recommit yourself to being a follower of Jesus. To understand a disciple is not just knowing what your master knows. It's becoming what your master is biblically. Because if you're not becoming more like Jesus, you're being read by the world. It don't matter how much scripture you can quote and tell them how much they need Jesus. They got to sense and see not self-righteousness, but true righteousness. That means somebody that says, you know, if you're going to go that way, I can't go with you. Two can't walk together except they agree, and I disagree. And I'd rather have Jesus than your acceptance. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. Every time I sing that, my heart melts, and I think of you and Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. 
That's what caused a man to leave a career in the entertainment industry and hook up with Billy Graham and go around the world with him to help win souls to Jesus. His name was George Beverly Shea. He had an interview with the radio station because he had a beautiful baritone voice and he could play piano and read music. He was highly qualified and they wanted him to have a portion of their back when radio was king, pre-television days. His mama believed that God had a call on his life. So she knew at a certain time he always came and practiced piano. She took a song, opened it up, and put it where his music was, his pop popular music. And you know what the song was that he was able to play and sing? And he began to play it and sing it. Guess what the song was? That's it. I'd rather have Jesus. And he's singing it and playing it. Then silver or gold, I'd rather be his Then on riches untold, I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be held in his nail-pierced hands than to be a king of a vast domain and be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. What? It astonished Jesus, didn't it? And what would a man give in exchange for his soul? A man's life does not consist of the abundance of things he possesses. And the earthbound preachers and the earthbound church, when they see, amen, when they see prosperity, they see it in the material lens. In the Old Testament, God blessed people that way because he couldn't give them the Holy Spirit until we were cleansed within enough that he could come live within us. The New Testament is not the stuff that identifies you. Amen. It's His Spirit coming to live within you. Can you say amen? The Holy Spirit is more precious than airplanes and and luxury cars and mansions and money and millions in the bank. He's more precious. Hallelujah. Are you ready to hear what country this is? Iran. The revival. They that have set themselves to destroy Israel, that hate us, that the the most radical uh, Islamists come out and supported by them. Terrorism, international terrorism supported from them. Persecution like we have never experienced here is occurring. And an underground church is growing every single day. While the church, the church as a whole here, there are mega churches, but the church as a whole in America is losing members. We're bleeding out. 
And church, there are buildings that used to fill up with people that no one is attending anymore. Amen. And they're being turned into other things. They're selling churches now that you can convert into a business or a home because there's no one that needs that facility. The mega church is growing. Amen. But the, across America, the community churches are not doing well. This is not a nation that is experiencing revival because of 10,000 people go to a particular church on Sunday. When those 10,000 come out, if they are disciples of Jesus and they can be a witness unto him, then we'll know a revival is occurring. But until that occurs, it's just heads in a building and not hearts for Christ. But the Muslim majority nation citizens are reportedly fleeing Islam in droves as believers bow their knee to Jesus. This is the report from the pastors in Iran, in the underground church. And become aggressively pro-Israel. You know God has changed. They've been taught from babies to hate Israel. And they're becoming aggressively pro-Israel. That's revival. Hallelujah. The documentary, another one coming out of there, Sheep Among Wolves, directed by Dalton Thomas, produced by Frontier Alliance International Studios, a nonprofit group dedicated to disciple-making. Dedicated to disciple-making. Not just dedicated to winning souls to our faith, but getting people to commit to follow Jesus Christ, to receive Him as their Savior and commit to follow Him. And it's those followers of Jesus that are having the impact evangelistically. It's not one preacher. It's not a big church. It's real Christians living out an authentic faith that don't blend on the job. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. If you have to demand respect, you probably don't deserve it. But if people respect your faith because they see it's genuine and it's real. Hallelujah. I want them to know I'm more than a church-going man identifying with a denomination. I'm a follower. Before I'm a preacher, before I'm a minister, before I have any gifts that operate, I want them to know that I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm a disciple of Jesus. Can you say amen? Come on, we talk the talk. We need to start walking the walk. So the world will see something. And not see us just like them. When I go through defeat, they expect my God to help me when I'm discouraged. And I get discouraged. There are people who expect me to not stay and wallow in it. They expect, you're not because I'm a man of God, because I'm a Christian. Like you are. I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. You know what Christian means? I chose the Christian faith. No, Christian means you're becoming like Christ. They didn't call themselves Christians. They didn't present themselves as Christians. They just followed Jesus and the other people that saw it labeled them Christian. They were first called Christians 
at Antioch. Who called them that? The people that saw them living out their faith. Can you say man? Oh, I feel so convicted and yet so hopefully anticipating some people in this room that have been saved for years. You are a convert. God wants you to be more than a convert to the Christian faith with a testimony. He wants you to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Is that fair to say today? Since Jesus said, if any man's going to be my disciple, you've got to do more than go to church and claim the faith. You've got to deny yourself, take up your cross. What is your cross? Your cross is the crucifying of your flesh in order to follow the teachings and the example of Jesus. What would Jesus do is sold a lot of little bracelets. Can you say man? But I think that's a good question to ask ourselves every single day. What would Jesus do? Well, that's simple. What did he do? Under the circumstance you're under. What did he do concerning his enemies? What did he do at the cross? Ah. And it highlights the untold story of the persecuted church in Iran. A leader of the Iranian, Iranian underground church explains their goal is not planting churches, but rather making disciples. Now, I want all the women to say, thank you, Jesus, because this is going to help you today. And us men are going to have to play catch up if we need to. Not Heinz either. And the majority of whom are women. Iranian women raised Muslim committing completely to follow Jesus. Men in America need to be men of God again. Women have took the lead too long. That's why full gospel businessmen years ago that I used to attend, that's why they started it. They started because a man went to a large conference meeting. The Holy Spirit began to fall. And women in that meeting were tearfully, cheerfully, (laughs) wholeheartedly committing to follow Jesus and praising him with everything they had. And he was looking for the men. Not just sitting in the audience, but even at the meeting itself. Where are the hungry men? Where are the godly men? Where are the men of God? And he made a statement. It was shocking. He said, by the look of things, heaven's not going to be overpopulated with men. We need to change that. We need to get men of God to be men of God. How many believe that? We've got so many men that their wife is carrying them spiritually. And if it wasn't for their wife carrying them spiritually, it's hard to carry somebody spiritually that won't make an effort themselves to seek and find God. But thank God for the godly women that are letting God use them And it said that these pastors praised Trump for skipping the U.N. panel on imaginary climate crisis for real problem of religious persecution. So here is one of those pastors recipe for revival. If it's producing this in Iran, I think it's a pretty good recipe. How many would like the recipe before we go home? Amen. Amen. My wife's got a fudge recipe. 
Lord, have mercy. Make your tongue slap the roof of your mouth till it almost beats your brains out. That is some, that's, somebody say that's some good fudge. If you really pressure her this coming Christmas. Oh, this ain't about you eating it, darling. This is not about you eating it. She used to make, it's hard to make it and not eat. I will stand there with a wooden spoon and spank your hand while dipping that wooden spoon into that fudge while it's still warm. Making sure you don't get tempted, I'll eat some of that. It is good. How many's ever had some of her fresh homemade fudge? No preservatives. How many want some more? <laughs> Me too. I can't, I can't, I can't eat it, so I'm not going to fix it. How selfish, how selfish. Get in the altar and repent before we go home. Isn't God good today? Would you like the recipe for revival? Here's what he said. He said, disciples forsake the world and cling to Jesus till he comes. Converts don't. Just because you've come to Christ don't mean that you're going to commit to follow Christ. Time will tell. Disciples aren't engaged in a culture war. Converts are. Converts want to please the culture. Be politically correct. There's no war for disciples. We're not concerned about being politically correct or pleasing the world. Our deep concern is pleasing Him and serving Him. Can you say amen? Disciples, cherish, obey, and share the Word of God. Converts don't. That's why somebody says they've come to Jesus, they don't even bother coming to church. We're told to forsake not the assembling of yourself together is the manner. But much more as you see the day approaching. They don't see the day approaching. They, they, all they see is Friday coming. Payday. Fun day. Weekend. They don't see two hours in the presence of God is valuable. Converts don't. Disciples do. They cherish, obey, and share the Word of God. Converts don't. Disciples choose Jesus over anything and everything else. Converts don't. They don't. They claim salvation. See, many are going to call Him Lord that have never bowed to Him. And they had to be converts to call Him Lord. They had to be told. That's all there is. You sign, the, sign the, the book. You be baptized in water. It's not about making a disciple. It's getting another financial giver to, to your project at church. So many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord. And I will say unto them, Depart from me, you that work iniquity. I never knew you. You claim me. You better make sure God knows you. 
This thing has to get real. People are going to hell over these doctrines that preach a cheap grace. If we deny him, he cannot deny himself. But remains faithful. But if we deny him, he will deny us. If you deny me before men, disciples don't shrink and try to blend. They stand for Jesus. They stand up, stand up, ye soldiers of the cross. We don't care what the world thinks of us. We're in it. We're not of it. We have no allegiance to it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Go ahead over there and tell your dirty joke. Because I'm not going with you. They persecuted me. They'll persecute you. And the Bible said when they do it for my sake. (laughs) When they cast your name out as evil. And speak all manner of evil about you for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven. You've just been identified as an authentic child of God instead of a hypocrite. Amen. Because all those who will live godly will suffer persecution. If they hated me, they'll hate you. Booty who? God loves you. That should, come on. Don't feel sorry for yourself because the world doesn't embrace you. You know what Jesus said? If you were of the world, they would love its own. That's why some ministers can go on Ophrey and, and sell their books and it's no problem. But there are others that go on there and they want to crucify them. Converts run when the fire comes. Disciples don't. Converts run when the fire comes. Disciples don't. Takes a commitment. Deeper. Deeper. Oh God. So much is on the line here today. They interviewed a man in one of these movies. First thing they did was stone him. As we close, they stoned him. But he lived through it. He lived through it. There was another man in the Bible that was stoned and left for dead. But he lived through it. Amen. And was found preaching. Not running. But going forward in his faith. His name is Paul the Apostle. He was a disciple before he was an apostle. If he hadn't become a disciple, God would have never chosen him to be an apostle. There are people wanting a title, but they're not wanting a man to really, truly commit to be a disciple of Jesus. And that's why prophet so-and-so was caught stealing loads of stuff diverted to his warehouse in Tampa and prosecuted. He claimed to be a prophet, but he hadn't yet become a disciple because the disciple is not going to do it. Thank you for the hearty amens. A disciple is not going to do that. So they could, they, he lived. They came back and miraculously, the guy they stoned was alive. So they 
tied him up, and they poured gallons, plural, of gasoline on him. And they set him alight. Now, you're going to have to get your faith out now. Was there anybody in a fire that didn't burn in the whole Bible? Has God ever pulled this off before? Is there a precedent for the fire not burning? Is there a precedent for stoning not killing? After the fire died down, he was still alive and he felt no pain. My brother Venable, that was back in Bible days. You know, you know, back in Bible days, God did supernatural things. We're not back in Bible days. We're here where God can't do hardly anything. Can you say amen? Come on. Oh, you might as well tell it like it, tell it like it is. Can you say amen? Go, go to church and look at how many defeated, beleaguered, beat down, tore up from the flow up people there are sitting in that audience singing about this God who says when you go through the fire, it won't kindle on you because I'm with you. Converts don't go through no fire. They run from it. Real disciples don't fear the fire and God's with them in the fire and brings them through the fire if He chooses to. But they're ready to lay it down one way or the other. It used to cost you something to follow Jesus. Not make you rich and powerful. It used to cost you something to follow the Lord. So converts never followed Him because of the cost. But disciples did because of the love and devotion and the appreciation for what He did for us and what it's going to mean to us throughout all eternity. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, what a Savior. And they burned Him, but He didn't burn. And it's these kind of devoted people that are touching other people and letting them know, what can your God do for you? What has your God done for you? Hallelujah. And look what our God has done and is doing for us. Hallelujah. And you know what they're figuring out? The Christian God is the true and the living God. Can you say man? Hallelujah. And they're leaving Islam and they're accepting Christ. Woo! We're almost done. But this has been good. This is good for me because if God can do it in Iran, there's hope for us in America. If disciples can be made from the Muslim faith, we might get some true disciples out of the Christian faith before it's over. Can you say, man, we might get somebody to go out of here and follow Jesus. Go out of here and just follow Jesus and find in Him, amen, what the world is, is clamoring for. His peace, His joy, hallelujah. <laughs> oh, Father, His love. And there's one more thing I want to share with you if I can find it. How many are getting something out of this to help you today? Since it's the women that are leading this. Oh, men are coming too. They may have to catch up, but they're coming along. They're coming along. They're coming along. 
But this one woman, young woman that has forsaked, forsaked, oh, here it is. This is her testimony. Here's what she said. If you want to know what a disciple looks like under a persecuted place like this, here you go. We know that if they get us, the first thing they will do to us as a woman is rape us. And then they will beat us. And ultimately, they will kill us. I want you to stop right here with me for a moment. Paul looked at an audience not unlike this, wanting to get disciples out of that group. And he said, who among you has resisted unto blood striving against sin? Who among you are devoted enough to him for what he's done for you? That if you were threatened with your very life. You know what Jesus told the church in the book of Revelation? Is it Thyatira, Pergamos, one of those? He said, I know where you dwell. It's where Satan's seed is. It's where he rules from to influence this planet. He's, I know his power of the air, but he influenced people in that city. Had the biggest known library in the world. It was an intellectual place to influence the minds of young people. Most converts lose their faith when they get to college, raised in Sunday school, drugged to church every Sunday. Because the professors and the know-it-alls and the people they want to they look up to and receive from are telling them that's all baloney. This is what truth is. But disciples don't. Disciples don't. I said disciples don't. Because they're going to, they're committed to follow Jesus. And it can happen at 12 years old. You don't have to be 20. Can you say man? But if it truly happens, it'll take you through 20. It'll take you through 30. It'll take you through 40. It'll take you through 50. It'll take you through 60. And I'm here to tell you, it'll take you into your 70s. Can you say man? Hallelujah. You know what Jesus told them? He said, Satan is going to put some of you in prison. There's a cost here. Now you get rich, get famous, get money in the bank. But he said, where you're living, what you're facing, some of you are going to be put in prison. And some of you are going to be put to death. When have you heard that lately? Not here in America. No, you don't get put to death. You live the high life. And then go to heaven. You don't have to suffer persecution. You can compromise your faith for the world to embrace you. You can be a big shot at work and everybody will love you. Just don't follow Jesus or they won't love you no more. Booty who? They can't cure cancer. God can. They can't deliver from the devil. God will. Can you say, man, they can't come in that emergency room. <laughs> but God can and God will. Can you say, man, hallelujah. They can't heal that, that uncurable disease, incurable disease. But Jesus can and Jesus will. They can't guarantee you an eternity. Of bliss and joy and happiness. But God has. 
Be faithful, he says, unto death. Am I reading it correctly? Somebody that's got it. Be faithful unto death. And I will give you a crown of life. A crown of life? You mean eternal life is worth laying down your physical life if necessary? You mean not going to hell and going to heaven is worth dying for? Let me tell you something about America. You're not asked to die for Him here yet. But since you're not asked to die for Him, the least we can do is live for Him. Since you don't have to sit and languish in prison and be beat or stoned to death or beheaded, can't we just live for Him? Don't we have something in us more than Sunday morning? Go to church, go home, and never be changed or challenged and live the same old way. Am I speaking the truth this morning? Does it fill seats? No, not yet, but a day will come. A day is coming in America. A day is coming in America. The church in America, much of it is compromised. And the devil is just waiting for the hedge to come down again. 2001, we just celebrated, commemorated, amen, 3,000 lives that were lost when the hedge came down and the covering came off and the enemy was able to hurt us here in America like he's never done in World War I, World War II, Vietnam or Korea. And you know what that signaled? Something is wrong. We are not a Christian nation because of so many churches and converts. We're only a Christian nation if we have disciples of Jesus that are committed to following Him. Be faithful unto death. That's what it takes. Be faithful unto death. And you'll receive a crown of life. They said eternal life in heaven is worth this short trip here, if even if it's cut shorter than it's going to be. So God's not asking you to go to prison yet. God's not asking you to submit yourself to what Christians, not only in Iran, but around the world are being submitted to. God's not asking you to die for Him. God's asking you to live for Him. How many believe that order is not too tall that he deserves? That the very least he deserves in America is that we stand up, stand up for Jesus, you soldiers of the cross. Can you say, man? I got convicted and then I got happy. I said, Lord, I'm so happy that I'm not part of the status quo. I told you that I didn't want what we could afford and I don't want church like it used to be with more people that don't want to become disciples. Amen. I don't want a thousand people that haven't bowed their knees to Jesus as Lord of their life. Can you say amen so I can drive a better car and point to my success? I want to make disciples unto Jesus. If one of them ever rises up, one of them can chase a thousand and two of them can put 10,000 to fly. But a thousand of them can't chase nobody if they're just converts. 
In fact, they're being chased every single day by the enemy. And he's winning. Hallelujah. Not for that, but hallelujah for the revival in Iran. Because it lets me know the God I serve is on the move. And I'm holding out. If we lose everybody, but somebody becomes a disciple, I'm holding out for revival. I will not become a status quo preacher. I will not compete and compare with other churches' programs. Amen. You need the Lord. Your kids need the Lord. They need a relationship with Jesus. Can you say amen? Come on. They need a relationship with Jesus. And we do too. And that's why I'm here. So if you want entertainment, honey, it's not just the world that's offering it to you. The church is full of it. You will have a good time. And you will have that good time in a timely fashion. They'll herd you in and hurry you out. And they're happy because they got a head count. And you're happy because you're not challenged. To become a true disciple of Jesus. So everybody's happy but God. And it doesn't matter how loud we beat the drum. Or how beautifully we hit a high C on the organ. God will never be satisfied with the status quo. You know what that's called? Luke warm. No passion for God. You better entertain them well. Because the cross will not draw them. Jesus' death for them will not cause them to devote to him. So you better entertain them. Because the world's out there vying for their attention, their finances, and their energies. And offers them every conceivable form of entertainment. And we better compete with the world to get them in. Because the bottom line is getting them in. No, the bottom line is when they walk out, who has committed to truly follow Jesus? Can you say amen? This woman says when we... Go to that underground meeting if we're captured. First thing they'll do to us as women is rape us. You didn't have to worry about that coming to church this morning, did you? Next thing they're going to do to us is imprison us. You didn't have to worry about being pulled over because of your bumper sticker says Jesus is the answer, did you? Next thing they're going to do and by the way, you that are letting your flesh rule you, even now in this critical time, going with the flow, having no standard that anyone can separate you from the world when they get you out of church. You know why I'm in the pulpit today? Because I turned down the material. God knew I would when he called me. And I didn't do it because I'm a preacher. I'd... Preaching had nothing to do with it except I wanted to be in the pulpit on Sunday, but I wanted to be in church before I got in the pulpit. I left a career with Winn-Dixie. Big deal. Not as good as Publix, can you say, man? I left a career with Winn-Dixie because after I came to Christ as a convert, I became a disciple. 
converts, they say, I can't do this because of that. I can't do this because of that. Disciples say, There's n- Jesus is first in my life. Let the chips fall. And we put the kingdom first. I left my job before I had another job. Boy, that's a bad thing. All my relatives wasn't happy that I'd become a dedicated Christian. They thought they were going to have to give me something. Honestly, I went to work at a gas station part-time. We spent our last $20. I forget on what on. That was our grocery budget, I told you. And a lady came. <laughs> she got gas, said, fill her up, full service station where you check everything. And I filled her car up, and she tore off. She went around the block and came back. And there we was without grocery money that week. She came back, got out of her car. She didn't know I was Christian, minister, anything. She got out of her car, walked into the station, and said, Sir, I've never done this in my life before. But I believe that God told me to give you $20. Boy, you talk about, you talk about, oh, Lord, hallelujah, I'd rather have a meal barrel that can't go empty. And have Jesus as my Lord and God first in my life. Than to have a meal barrel that's full and running over that can run out. (laughs) And that the weevils can get in and the worms can get in. Can you say, man, just give me that meal barrel that can't run empty. Can you say, man, no man has left house, land. Oh yeah, they had to commit. Come on. They had to leave something to follow Him. Come on. I said, no man has left house, land, father, mother, sister, brother, for my sake in the Gospels that shall not receive a hundredfold. And if you see in those dollar signs again, quack, quack, Scrooge McDuck. All you see is your bank account. What about the hundredfold sisters and brothers? I was an only child till I got saved. But everywhere I go, I find sisters and brothers. Are you getting the hundredfold now? Is it sinking in? What about the hundredfold sisters and brothers? Does your mama have to have 99 more kids for God to fulfill that? Is this just about numbers or the kingdom? Hallelujah. Husbands and wives... Hundredfold wives, I can't afford the shoes. Can you say, man, <laughs> let alone the rest of the stuff? Besides, it would be polygamy, and God forbids it. They're interpreting everything literally. This has got to be spiritual. It meant if my wife leaves me for becoming a Christian and a follower of Jesus, and she's determined I'm not going to live with him, God is going to give me a hundredfold fulfillment for whatever I could have received from a dedicated, devoted wife. You said, how can he do that? Oh, honey, it's the Holy Spirit in his presence. There's fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there is pleasure for everything. Evermore. Can he fill that void? Yes, he can. Can he fill that gap? Yes, he will. Have you liked anything? Nothing we really needed. Can you say, man, hallelujah? Are you getting this today? So as we close, I don't know what time it is, but you don't care, so why should I? 
quit it, quit it. <laughs> she was just yawning. I, I, it makes me yawn. That's the only reason I said quit it, sister. <laughs> just hold on a minute. <sighs> okay, now we all feel better. Anybody else want to yawn while we have the opportunity? You may be yawning in your physical man, but I'm going to tell you your spirit man. He's not sleepy and he's not sluggish. And he wants to stand up tall inside of you and show the world Jesus through you. Can you say man? How many believe we endure disciples in the church? All to church, every church, in the church. When my son came back to Jesus, and this is the second year, so I'm thinking of him. It's a Sunday, first of October. That's how it fell last year when I came home from church and went in the bedroom. And saw his spirit had left his body. And he was home safe with Jesus. Two years. Two years today. Tomorrow actually the first. But today it was a Sunday. So I've been through dark valleys. Deep hurts. The gospel is so precious. You know what David said when he buried his son? They were afraid the king would go into a rage. He anointed his face and he said these words. I can't, he can't come to me, but I will go to him. And he wasn't talking about I'm going to die too and we're all going to just be in the grave and it's all over. Because you don't find the joy and the hope that he had unless you believe in the resurrection. He wasn't talking about, I'll follow him to the grave. That'll just put you down in the dumps, Can, you know. No, he was talking about the fact death doesn't end at all. It's not over. <laughs> in fact, amen, it's not over. It's not over for my son. I'm going to see him again. I'm going to live with him in heaven forever because he came back to Jesus. Two weeks before he went home to be with the Lord, he was deepening his devotion to Jesus. He wasn't just a convert. He became a disciple in his heart because my son would hear him praying in the bedroom. And he called me and he says, Dad, Dad. He said, sometimes when I'm laying in the bed and I think I might be going to have a seizure and fear grips me, he said, Dad, I say his name. I say, Jesus. And he said, every time I say his name. See, his name had become precious to him. Not just some religious symbolic term, but personal and precious. No man can call him Lord except by the Holy Ghost. And by the way, instead of using the term Lord, he used a term that says Lord. He said, Jesus is my king. Jesus is my king. Jesus is my king, Dad. And then he said, Dad, if I go to heaven before you, I want you to know Jesus is my king. It'll be all right. I said, son, don't talk that way. You're supposed to bury me. I'm not supposed to bury you. God can heal you. God can raise you up. He said, Dad, I know he can. But if I go before you, I want you to know everything is all right. Because Jesus is my king. Hallelujah. And then in our conversation, he said, Dad, I've been listening to a song. And I listen to it over and over and over again because it means so much to me. 
I said, what is it, son? He said, Jesus, what a beautiful name. See, there's no other name given under heaven unto men by which we must be saved, save the name of Jesus. And that's why Paul said, I don't want to know nothing among you. If you want to talk this or talk that, you're talking to the wrong man. Except Jesus and him crucified. Everything that God has done for you and will do for you is because of what he did on the cross in your behalf. 